This conversation was going to be about lead generation through public speaking, but it's taken a very interesting turn and we've had some great insights around productivity. And this is all, this all started with me saying I, I don't like the productivity community. There we go. We spent half an hour talking about productivity. I'd talk to you if we talked about dead fish. <laughs> Thank you. It's very kind of you to say, Matthew. Well, same here. I feel the same way. I really enjoy chatting to you as well. This is Brian Clark from Copyblogger, and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.ProductiveInsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Hello and welcome to episode 138 of the Productive Insights podcast. You can grab a copy of the show notes at ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 138, which includes all the timestamps and the key insights from this conversation. Now, this conversation was supposed to initially be about public speaking and how to use specific devices such as humor in public speaking to generate high quality leads. But the conversation took a very interesting turn and we ended up speaking about productivity for the first 20 or so minutes. So I've decided to publish this as part one of this two-part series where in part one we talk about productivity and how to be as impactful as possible each day. We also touch on some mindset issues which are critical to being highly impactful. I want to thank all of you who've been sharing this content with others and commenting on social media. I really appreciate your support in getting this content out to more people who you think will benefit from it. I'd also like to thank you for your reviews on iTunes. A special thank you to Eric Bisson from the United States. Eric says, Ash and his guests share inspiring and actionable lessons on how to succeed productively in business. Highly recommend listening to the Productive Insights podcast if you want the knowledge and mindset to reach your goals in starting and growing your business and living your ideal life as a result. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate the kind words. And if you would like to also leave a review on iTunes, please go ahead and do so. And I'll do my best to mention it in a future episode. Now, this episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights podcast editing service, which takes away all the pain of podcast editing. All you need to do is upload your file into a Dropbox folder or a Google Drive folder, and we'll take care of the publishing onto your WordPress site and onto iTunes. If you want to find out more, just book a call with me on callashroy.com, and we can talk about how to get started today. And now let's get on with the show. Here's Matthew Kimberley on how to develop a powerful mindset to be as impactful as you can by maximizing your productivity, by working in your zone of genius and delegating the rest. Welcome everyone. Today's guest is an expert at profitable lead generation and is also the author of the self-help classic, How to Get a Grip. He speaks all over the world and brings his own unique charm and wit to audiences big and small. We featured him as a guest on the Productive Insights podcast in episode 67, and I'm delighted to have him back today. I'm delighted to welcome back Matthew Kimberley from matthewkimberley.com. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you very much for having me, Ash. It's a huge pleasure to be here. Right. It's really, really great to have you back. I really enjoyed speaking to you a lot last time, and the audience really enjoyed listening to you as well. So 
Welcome back. <laughs> now, just before I, I was going to talk to you, I checked out your website and I saw the coolest tagline, which I want to read out to the listeners and the viewers if you're watching this on YouTube. Your tagline says, purveyor of independence, entertainment, delight, confidence and control. Talk to us about that. Okay, so a couple of important elements in there. Independence, of course, is pretty much my leitmotif. It's if we can assume responsibility for ourselves, not be dependent upon somebody else for a paycheck, and uh, it ties in with control very much, which is the last part of the tagline, then, then what could we possibly have to worry about? What is beyond our capability of fixing? As long as we assume that mantle and say, listen, I'm going to man up or woman up, I'm going to take responsibility, and I am going to determine the route that I take through life and the path I take through life. doesn't mean things won't happen. It uh, doesn't mean things won't get thrown at us, but everyone has stuff thrown at us. And if we can... Uh, not everybody can, and it's okay. You know, I realize that there is not as simple as do as I say. There are people face different emotional issues, which can absolutely affect the amount of control and independence that you have over stuff. But if you can assume the mantle of saying, no matter what gets thrown at me, I'm in control of how I react, then that goes a long way. So we can't, you know, the old adage, we can't control how people treat us, but we can control how we decide to react to that. To a degree, I'm not diminishing the, again, coming back to emotion, I'm not diminishing the fact that some of us are better equipped at various stages through our journey of life to deal with duress and hardship. But I do believe that an awful lot is within our control. I do believe that we have the power to say yes or to say no to things. And that's important. Delight is about making people smile. You know, what's the point in doing it if we can't have fun? I have found that Every time I've given a workshop or a, or a keynote or some training to people, those who enjoy themselves get the most out of it. So there is a time for cracking the whip. I'm far more interested in dangling a carrot in my current professional situation. The stick and the carrot need to be used together. When I was a sales manager, I used a healthier balance of the both. Now I just go for sheer entertainment. One of the tricks that I used to use when I was doing a lot of corporate gigs is I'd, I'd propose to the sales manager, I'd say, listen, bring me to your next sales meeting. I'll do half an hour for free on the condition that if you like it, we sit down and we talk about me coming back and you paying me. So it was like the equivalent of a strategy session. Okay. But it was, there were clear, the control element, there was a clear upfront contract, upfront agreement, which said, I'm going to come and I'm going to talk to your guys at your next all hand sales meeting. If you like it, and if you think it's useful, you must sit down with me immediately afterwards and I'll tell you how much it will cost to get me back. And the close rate was phenomenal on that. It was really good. But the secret, Ash, was to obviously provide useful information, but I needed every single person in the room enjoying themselves because I needed the sales team on, on side. I needed the sales team on side because I wanted to turn to the sales manager and say, look, these guys loved it. They're coming up to me, they're smiling, they're laughing, and they say, bring me back. And that emotional response is what booked me the gigs, because sales information is available everywhere, but you really need someone who can make you giggle. So I, I do, delight is a very strong theme, again, in my professional life. I hope that goes some way to explaining it. Oh, it does, it does. There's a few things that came up for me when you were talking about that. The first thing I wanted to talk about is you talked about choosing your reactions to events and people and situations. I remember reading this book that really had a big impact on me. It's called Your Erroneous Zones. Now, it was a bit of a takeoff on Your Erogenous Zones, which was released a few years prior, but it's written by a guy called Wayne Dyer. And something that really helped me enormously was he talked about two key themes in that book. One was choosing your reactions to events as opposed to necessarily being able to control events. And the second was making those choices in each present moment and choosing things in each present moment helped me to 
bring that locus of control into that present moment and therefore not feel like I had to make this sea of mental changes in one hit. I could just change my approach, my attitude one moment at a time. And that was very effective for me. Right. So you can ask, what are my choices when presented with this situation? I'm presented with the situation. What are my choices? Sometimes going off the handle and kicking up an unholy storm is actually what you need to do. You know, there are some situations and some element, but you've got to be in control of that holy storm, unholy storm. You've got to be in control. You know, sometimes like I used to work as a holiday rep. I was a tourist guide and dealing with hundreds of tourists every week, all simultaneously in a ski resort. So there was loads of logistics. People needed stuff. People were getting injured. There were entertainment. There was equipment hire. There were insurance issues. All day long, it was solving problems. All day long, it was solving problems. And because we were faced with so many barrages of requests for our time, we triage, right? Rather like you do in, in, a, in an emergency room in a hospital. When the cases came to us, we were triaged based upon their severity, based upon their urgency, but also based upon how much of a pain in the ass the customer was being. So I learned from that that the louder you are, the more persistent you are, the more of a pain in the ass that you are, the more likely you are to get what you want. So if you're served a dish in a restaurant which is substandard, but it would really make your day if it could be replaced or if an issue could be fixed, don't be afraid to kick up a storm. But be in control of that emotion. Right, It's when we fly off the handle that we lose control, which is terrible. So um, other times you're faced with a situation, you say, well, am I going to respond by saying this is a big deal? Or am I going to be respond by saying this isn't a big deal, I can live with it. It's really not the end of the world. And forces for courses. And there's the saying that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, which may or may not be true. There's also the argument that what doesn't kill you severely and irreparably damages you for life. And I've seen homeless shelters and psychiatric institutions, which are just full of people who haven't been able to cope with all of these hardships, which should have made them stronger because people aren't made of steel. Um, but, 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 you know, my particular situation, up until about two years ago, we had a period of, of difficulty in our family life. We had illness, serious illness with our children. We had marital problems. We had injury. We had legal issues. We had all sorts of stuff going on. And I, you know, if I told a friend about this, they'd be like, dude, you've really been through the ringer. So what's happened as a result of that? And I didn't necessarily deal with it by saying, oh, that's cool. That's great. But it did eventually, you know, eventually got round to that. It was kind of depths of despair followed by, okay, we're through it now. We're through it. So what happened recently, I was on vacation with my wife and we took my mother-in-law as well and the kids. So a big family vacation. We're in Italy a couple of weeks ago. My mother-in-law got a telephone call from her next door neighbor saying the apartment below your apartment is on fire and there are flames licking up onto the balcony. And she, of course, justifiably was terrified. She said, should I go home? Who can I call? What can I do? And she dealt with that in the way that she dealt with it. And turns out everything was fine. There was no structural damage, no serious damage. Even to the apartment below, nobody got hurt, which was great. But I turned to my wife and I said, you know, based on everything that we've been through over the last four or five years, what would be your reaction if we got a call while we were on vacation to say your apartment is on fire? And she gave exactly the same reaction as me, which is, oh, well, at least nobody got hurt. You just laugh. You say, oh, my goodness, is this... What are we going to do? You know, because I think you do start to reassess your priorities when these hardships come at you and you ask the big questions like, how's my health? How's my family's health? And is the fact that I can't get a parking space worth damaging my health over? Because that's what happens. 
when you get stressed, your blood pressure rises, your cholesterol probably increases, your veins start pumping, you get angry, you look, you say things you regret, you don't sleep well, you get stomach pains, get digestive issues. Is it worth that over a colleague who's being a dick or a parking spot that isn't accessible to you? The answer for me, at least, is no. The other point, and this segues very nicely into it, is delight, which is the flip side of what we're talking about right now. As a matter of fact, I happen to have interviewed a guy called Marty Wilson, who's also a public speaker. He was recently invited to share the stage with the Dalai Lama. So he's quite an accomplished speaker. And we were talking about how humor and music seem to be the two things that seem to just bind human beings together, just you know, the glue of the tribe. Clearly, you have that down pat because I've seen you speak and you are extremely entertaining and you certainly know how to delight. So my next question was actually going to be about how to use public speaking to generate leads and high quality leads. And you've already given us a couple of tips earlier in this conversation about how you do the free half an hour session. But then you say at the end of it, we need to sit down and talk about how to turn this into a possible paid arrangement. We also touched on the fact that you delight your audience. Clearly, these two are great tools to be able to generate high-value leads and high-value clients. So can you talk to us a bit more about that? Yeah, really interesting what you said about music and humor. People often ask, you know, in our space, people are obsessed with productivity and you know, any way to shave a minute off a day's task or get an extra 60 seconds in an hour is seen to be the holy grail. And that kills me, you know. When people ask questions like, what's the most valuable app on your phone? My answer is always the same, Spotify, always, because it gives me the most beautiful tunes. You know, these world-class artists streamed 24 hours into your ears for like 10 bucks a month. It's a steal. There's a book called, I might be confusing my books now, but I think it's Conversations with God by... Uh, Neil Donald Walsh. I was going to say Donald Neil Walsh, but yes, uh, Mr. Walsh. I think he says in his, in his foreword and acknowledgements, he says, I do want to acknowledge my family and my agent and everyone else, but I really want to acknowledge the artists who have inspired me. These wonderful musicians and these wonderful creators of art who have just made my life better. And if you told me, you know, you can live the rest of your life with a million dollars and an email app, or you can live the rest of your life with music, music every time, no doubt. Now, music and humor. Yeah, of course. Of course. Listen, I value money. I chase money. I enjoy the game of, of making money. But... Tell me, money versus music, as long as I'm fed and my family are happy, I think I'd have to go with music. I really would. You just hit the nail on the head. You said the game of making money. And that, to me, is the key. I'm not suggesting money is not important. It is. But it is far more enjoyable when you see it as a game and don't see it as a be-all and end-all, which in society we are kind of brainwashed into doing. Well, I suspect a lot of people, particularly at the higher levels, do see it as a game because the, the dollar figure has just become, certainly the, you know, the, the millionaires who I have worked with and the business partners that I've had have certainly said, you know, I'm not, I've got, what else do you buy a man who's got three boats and seven houses and a staff of 40 people other than lifestyle goals, you know, or life goals. My goal is to do this and my goal is to do that. It's got nothing to do with money. Money's going to facilitate it, but it's not about the dollar figure anymore. And I think when people are just getting started and they're having trouble paying mortgage or if they're going through a particular period of hardship, of course, it's very easy and blase to say it's not about the money if you've got enough. If you haven't got enough, it's categorically about the money, right? So I think we can reach a stage where we say, you know, there's a conversation on Facebook the other day. Somebody said, I think it was Jeff Goins, said, what's your definition of success? Or do you call yourself successful? Or how do you measure success? Or one of these questions which prompts thought. And I said, well, I actually prefer to measure satisfaction. 
So success is useful. I don't consider myself to be successful because I'm always comparing myself to smarter, wealthier people with bigger businesses. But I know that other people will ask me about levels of success. I, being an Englishman and quite reserved and not willing to share dollar figures and things like that, you know, I don't like to get into that conversation. But I do say, but look at the levels of satisfaction. Can I get to the end of the day and say, I'm satisfied? And that's an important question for me. And most days it's yes, but that wasn't always the case until relatively recently, a couple of years ago, I was convinced that by choosing the entrepreneurial life, by choosing to be self-employed or by choosing to be responsible for my own paycheck, I was destined to a permanent situation of dissatisfaction. I was convinced that it would never be enough. Okay, great. So I did half a million this year. What about next year? Never enough. Okay, so I did 2 million this year. What about next year? Never be enough. Or I did 50K. That's the best year I've ever had in my life. Great. Next year, I've got to do 100. Did 100. Next year, I've got to do 200. I was determined. I was convinced that that was going to be my lot. Until one day, I said, no, forget it. I'm going to be satisfied. And now time for, you know, James Shramko, a mutual friend of ours, really opened my eyes to this when I went to visit him in Manly and spoke at his event where I met you. When James said, I make time to go surfing at least once a day, and it's a better day if it's twice a day, I said, well, look, I live in a Mediterranean island. I live a stone's throw from the sea. It takes me, I don't have a sea view like James, but I, if I walk 25 seconds around the corner, I'm on the beach. And I thought, why don't I adopt the same thing? And so it's summer now, and when I'm not on a plane, I'm, I'm swimming. You made me get up at nine o'clock this morning to come and see you. So I'll probably go for a swim after this. So satisfaction is something I measure instead of success. And, and I think that's a useful thing. I've completely forgotten what your question was. That's okay. There is something else that came up that I want to mention as well. Clearly what you're telling me, and I agree with completely, is whether you get to half a million or a million or 10 million is less important than how much fun you have getting there. And my blog started off as a productivity blog, and I still write about productivity sometimes. In fact, I'm launching a course at the moment on productivity. One of the things I say is productivity is not about getting more done in less time. I think it's actually about doing less over more time, enjoying yourself while doing it, doing it well, getting satisfaction out of it, and sequencing your tasks and delegating the rest. Yeah, I have a coach, Taki Moore, who you probably know also from Australia, and he talks about working in your zone of genius. He said that every day, if you've never done this exercise before, and if you're self-employed or if you're a one-man business or a one-woman business then you're going to have a list of tasks. Your day is going to be dictated by the things on your to-do list. He said, let's get your to-do list down to the only the things that really excite you, the things that you're not only good at, but you enjoy. And it's the combination, you know, where those two things meet, what you're good at and what you enjoy. Everything else, you're going to make a decision. You're going to say, can I just stop doing it? You know, a lot of things we do, we just don't need to do anymore. Can I stop doing this? Next question, if I can't stop doing it, can I systematize it? Like, can I make it happen automatically? Can I use a machine? Can I use a, a computer to do this task for me? And that could be as simple as if I'm going to the grocery store for three hours a week and I hate it, can I order online? And the next step would be, can I delegate it or can I outsource it? So if we take the grocery store example, what about if I don't even have to order my groceries online anymore, but somebody else does it? What about if I don't have to answer emails anymore, but somebody else does it? What about if I don't have to upload my own podcast episodes anymore, but somebody else does it? And you're left with this little zone of genius, which gives you more hours in the day, more quality time to work, and a lot more fun. You know, really a lot more fun, a lot more time with family, a lot more time to work if you want, a lot more time to do whatever it is that you enjoy doing more than anything. And I couldn't agree with you more from a quality of life point of view. Mine has improved considerably since I no longer open my WordPress backend. I don't even know what the password is for my website anymore. 
my life has improved considerably. And that's a stupid thing, but it's the stupid things that make the difference. I, was, I can't remember, it might have been Neil Patel or Derek Halpern or someone who's, who's a prolific content marketer whose who's stuff I read and admire said, I think it was Neil Patel, he said his life improved considerably when he bought a second iPhone charger for his living room. So there was this tiny like, pebble in his shoe, this annoying thing, which is if he was sitting in the living room watching TV and his phone needed charging, he had to walk through to the bedroom, which is nothing. It's not even a task. But it bugged him every time. It bugged him. Uh, and he thought, well, okay, I can either complain about it or I can find a solution. What's the solution? I'm going to spend 10 bucks on a second iPhone charger and I'm going to put it in the living room, in the lounge. If something is affecting your quality of life, it is within your control to change that and implement more delightful moments in your life. Well, I had Taki Moore talk about frameworks on this podcast. I can't remember which episode it was, but we had a really great fun time talking about that. And I interviewed Neil Patel as well in episode one. We didn't talk about that particular issue, but yes, he's a prolific content marketer. It might not have been Neil Patel. It might have been Ramit Sethi. Oh, okay. Right. Or it could have been Derek Halpern. I honestly can't remember, but it was one of the prolific content marketer guys. A, a little tool if, that I find very useful, which is the computer equivalent of having your charger in the lounge room, and I mean in terms of even reducing mental load, is a thing called text expander. So when I sent you this invitation, Matthew, for this conversation, I actually use that tool to create a run sheet which allows me to just customize certain aspects using a form filling process and it just spits out all the other stuff in the email that is standardized. So I don't have to sit down and rethink the questions. I just create a standard format interview run sheet and then I customize the questions after having created it. And it massively reduces the amount of time it takes to sit down and think, okay, what are we going to talk about? Oh, and I've got to give him my Skype ID. Oh, and I've got to give him my passport a photo. And I've got to do this and I've got to do that. It just really is mental shorthand. So I recommend it highly. And this comes to, you know, implementing the systems and the processes in your business, which are going to make your trip smoother. But for many people, the solution might not be adding another technology tool. So I, where productivity becomes, or the productivity community gets too much for me is when a new piece of software does this, that this piece of software did, and this piece of software did, and this piece of software did before. So now you've got a new thing. So you're adding new tools. And AppSumo does a new deal on something which is going to save you five minutes every day. And in principle, adding all of these things would make sense if we're measuring minutes. For me, and possibly for others out there, my solution was to get somebody. So I was looking forever for, I'm still looking for the perfect CRM system. But I was looking forever for the perfect task manager or productivity tool. And there used to be one, and then there wasn't, and then something got discontinued. And so I was permanently exploring what the new thing is. And I'd, every time I'd speak to somebody or work with a new team or a new client, they'd introduce me to a new uh, project management tool they use with their team. And I'd get excited, and I've got 50 different tasks. And I just said, forget it. I said, no more. My solution to managing tasks now is going to be sending an email or picking up the phone. I'm not going to communicate via Slack. I can't stand the idea. It's a great email killer, but what does it mean? It means you've got something else popping up. Here's another dozen notifications. Then there's Asana, which all of these are fantastic tools for you if they're fantastic tools for you. For me, the solution I think now as I'm getting older and more of a Luddite, the solution is not technology, but the solution is team. Delegation. Ah, the team can use the technology as long as I don't have to. Right, right. Our common friend, James Ramco, he gets full credit for this because I learned this from him. He talks about effective hourly rate. The way he calculates it is your profit for the year divided by the number of hours you 
spend creating that profit, whether you do it for a year or a week, it doesn't matter. But let's say you land at 150 bucks an hour as your effective hourly rate. Anything that is, say, $10 an hour work that you can outsource, I should say, anything you can outsource for, say, $10 an hour, if you're doing it yourself, you're costing your business 140 bucks an hour. And I completely agree. That's a simpler solution. Focus in your, what Taki Moore says, your zone of genius and delegate the rest. So that's some really important and valuable insights. This conversation was going to be about lead generation through public speaking, but it's taken a very interesting turn and we've had some great insights around productivity. And this is all this all started with me saying I, I don't like the productivity community because I find them to be obsessive with productivity tips and tools. And there we go, we spent half an hour talking about productivity. I'd talk to you if we talked about dead fish. <laughs> Thank you. It's very kind of you to say, Matthew. Well, same here. I feel the same way. I really enjoy chatting to you as well. So that was part one of our two-part conversation. It made sense to stop the conversation there because that's where we stopped talking about productivity. And fortunately, in part two of this two-part series, Matthew and I actually don't talk about dead fish. We talk about public speaking and how to use public speaking to generate high-quality leads. We specifically talk about how to use humor and entertainment as powerful devices to engage your audience, which can be applied across other platforms besides public speaking. So I'll see you in part two of this two-part series, which will be available at ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 139. Thanks for listening and see you in part two. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today?